Hello and welcome to episode 183 of Three Bears in a Movie. I'm Richard Laird and I'm with... Barry Neil. Barry, welcome to the new episode. Um, <laughs> <once again>, today, <laughs> today we're doing this relatively quickly after we've done our last one, so it feels like we should be talking about like stuff that happened a week ago, but it's really in reality, it's like a couple of days since we last spoke, so it's for... I know. A little behind, a little bit of behind the curtains for everyone yeah. listening. Yeah, you know, it's only been a few days. Yeah, um, so it seems very odd to be doing this one after after just doing one very recently. So I know you're fine. You know I'm fine. Um, are you drinking anything of note um, tonight? Uh, well, I've actually, to be honest, I've actually just cracked open a new flavour of monster that I hadn't seen before called Ultra Black. <laughs> uh, so i don't know man it's one of those it's one of those really fucking like super sweet flavors so i'm not really into it but it's one of those ones i've opened it so i'm gonna finish it kind of things now yeah and your heart will so, up your thank you yeah probably yeah okay. you know see yeah. a lot of covid so yeah. you know True. <laughs> um, and i'm still on the dr pepper as i have all be forever now to gel bottles of dr pepper syrup so i will forever be drinking dr pepper now it's not um, a bad choice. I do actually like Dr. Pepper over like cola and all that. As do I. Like, Especially when it's really cold. Even it's probably yeah, yeah. cold. Dr. Pepper is my, my drink of choice. But I remember when, I remember you first got it in this country, like it was hard to get and then it suddenly disappeared. It was like the mm. greatest thing. It was this, I felt like there's this proper like American thing just sort of suddenly became available here. Um, yeah, yeah. I remember drinking it in America as well. And American Dr. Pepper is totally different because it's like made like real syrup and stuff like that, and it will literally blow your head off because of the sugar in it. Mm. But I think in Britain it's sort of be like sort of it's made differently because of like all the like, yeah. like, sugar. Tax and all that. I like my shit, yeah, so it's slightly different. Um, that's enough of Dr. Pepper. Dr. Pepper is always tasting good. Um, we have no Camel Laird's news because obviously no football on, they're not playing. So, again, we hope they get back to playing soon. Hopefully, they're all fit and healthy and hopefully, they're all doing well. Yeah. Do we have any moving news? Very briefly, we kind of we spoke about this the other day when these both stories, because both these stories get announced on the pretty much the same day. Uh, and it was one. The UK version of cinemas, Cineworld announced that they got a quote me if I'm wrong, it was something like a two hundred and something million pound lit a bonus scheme going on. Right. Is that yeah, that's about right, yeah. And the other one was AMC announced pretty much the same day that bankruptcy was off the table with a fresh funding coming to a grand total of nine hundred and seventeen million dollars uh, to keep them afloat during these recovery. Uh, Kind of like recovery times for the cinemas because obviously vaccinations and all that need to be rolled out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in regards to the Cineworld, like we can said off mic, it's a little bit disgusting at the fact that the company, as we know, haven't been doing any sort of real proper trading now for almost going on a year. Apart followed from this, followed all the yeah. staff as well. Yeah, followed all the staff, if not paid them off, etc., yeah. etc. And then, I think they even paid them off. That's just really interesting. I think the contract they were on, they yeah. have to pay them off. They just get told, you're not working next week. Yeah. So and then the more infuriating. Yeah. And then, and then decide to give the top flight management team bonuses, which of if like you want... 20-odd million and things like that. Like yeah. Massive. Not, not, not little... Not little you know, a couple of vouchers here and there. Massive yeah. bonuses. Yeah. It, it's kind of disgusting. You know, it's at the end of the day, this company hasn't done anything in almost a year to warrant these bonuses. Yeah. So questions need to be asked about, I don't know, like where are they getting these bonuses from? Yeah. And also, if you are any sort of self-respecting manager for the for this company, you wouldn't touch these bonuses because at the end of the day, you haven't earned it in the last year. No. You know, regardless I mean, of what's went on behind the curtain, you have not earned this fucking bonus because 
you haven't been hitting targets, that's for yeah. sure. So yeah, man, like I said, we it's not uncommon knowledge. Like I'm a Cine World patron, I go there that's pretty much where I go yeah. to watch the Omar movie. I think you go there quite a bit as well. Um, yeah, it's split 50 50 between a wee local me, one. 98% of films I've seen over the past decade um, yeah. have been in a Cine World of some description. So I, I'm actually a big fan of Cine World, I like them a lot. Um, the staff have always found to be very knowledgeable, very helpful, very mm. nice, very friendly. I enjoy the, they put a lot of screenings on it, but sort of special screenings. They've done a lot of stuff, um, rather like sort of secret screenings and um, sort of advanced previews for people who've got these unlimited cards, which is always brilliant. You can see a film like before it's out, something like, like a month before it's due out. Mm. And as a company, I've always been, people have bad mouth in the past, but I've always been quite supportive of them. I'm thinking, oh, they do good stuff. I feel like, I feel like they do a hard rap sometimes. And then you see something like this and you're like going, it's just, it's just, it's absolutely, it's indefensible yeah. in a world where you're not doing business. Your job, your, your business is to show movies to people and make take money off them for that, and also money for popcorn, for example. You're not doing that. All my membership features now have been frozen. They don't take any money off me just now because I'm obviously I'm not going, but it sort of makes total sense. So mm. where does the income coming from? And if, it, if it's these bonuses, if it's just like sort of like relief fund they managed to get, like something like, I think it was like 900 million they got as a relief fund to try and keep them afloat and keep them solvent. If they're using that to pay off bonuses, does this mean they're using basic cinema right now as a sort of almost Ponzi scheme to pay themselves off for as long as possible? As soon as things reopen up again and things don't go quite as well as they hope, they can just roll these cinemas up and take the loss. And But they've already walked away with up like 100 million each. You know, yeah. That's my worry right now is they're going to use the cinema chains like this. They sort of just basically fronts to make as much money as possible and then just roll them up once things do open up, or once things open up to some degree, they're told they can reopen, and um, mm. the numbers aren't quite there to justify it. And then at that point, we live in a world where all we can do is watch movies on a, a TV screen. You can't, the cinema experience yeah. becomes something that's completely foreign, and becomes yeah. something a bit like going to the theatre, where it's, you know, you can obviously mm. do it, but it's expensive. Yeah, so, yeah. It's something yeah. you might only do as a, as a one-off, you won't do it consistently, and I think that's a great loss that the cinema has right now, is that mm. it's, a, it's Something can be it can be viewed consistently anytime you want, essentially. And the loss of cinema right now could end up being like that. That loss of culture is, is gone forever. Mm. Um, Aye, definitely. Anyway, yeah, I'm. I really do swell now. What how I'm going to approach anyway? Because on one hand, the product that they give me is excellent. I have no problem with the product they give me, and it's mm. always fantastic. But there's a contribution as people and myself or you're the same. You, you do have morals, you do have ethics, and you go, do I want to continue to give my money to a company who are working unethically? Yeah, yeah, totally. And totally. it makes you, you know, but then you start looking around going, okay, so for myself, for example, I use a Cinema Unlimited card, that's costing me about £200 a year. Mm. And I definitely get £200 worth of movies a year out of that, you know, probably triple that, double that, you know, quadruple that. I got a lot of worth out of that. Mm. Could I, is there any, any company that does something to a similar ilk somewhere else? You know, Odin don't do anything to that real degree. Now the showcase, now there are a lot of other cinemas. So if, if I'm wanting to view the amount of cinema I want to view, cinema is sort of the only option. So mm. how much am I willing to sacrifice seeing as much as I want to see in order to, in order to clear my conscience? Which is really becoming, I think I'm not going to deal with it right now because obviously everything's all sharp, but it's something that we'll have to look at in the future. You know, because there's a couple of, there's, I'm sure you're the same, there's companies who have, who have been poor during this lockdown and during this uh, pandemic that you go right that's fine once you reopen again you're doing stuff i'm not coming to you waterstones for yeah you go to waterstones all the time when they reopen i'm not going back um, yeah yeah ryan there won't touch a barbell 
you know, because of the way they've dealt with their staff, with their customers, with just generally, you know, profiteering off of it. So, Cineworld could become one of those things. Somebody could go, you know what, I'm not going to touch you because I feel you're, yeah. you're, you're only in it for profit and you don't really care about your staff. It's a real shame. Um, the staff I walked around with really nice and, really, and, very, and always lovely people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally, man. Totally. It's, uh, obviously, I've got a slightly different experience because I'm kind of like delivering within Cineworld. So yeah, I do yeah. get to kind of, they, they sometimes let me in and stuff. Yeah. It's, uh, so I do get to speak to them, but it's like, yeah, like you said, always happy, always friendly. Even when I was a customer on the other side of the counter, it's like always more than happy to help you. Yeah. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if they're going to put up the prices. Uh, yeah. when things reopen uh, I know what was it uh, a lot of the kind of budget gym places they were always bad for that kind of stuff they would do the kind of introductory offer for let's say 12 months or whatever but then after that or if you were still like a regular customer they would slowly like increase it and you know it was it got to the point where you're struggling to justify it because these places were absolutely rammed full because yeah. there was never a, a cap I don't think yeah. of how many people they wanted on the books. Yeah. They just wanted books. They just wanted names on the book. Yeah. So you turn up at certain times of the day and the place would be rammed and you were like, what's the fucking point in this? I can't even do anything. Right. So, well, the thing, thing of cinemas, I mean, I think the idea of what they could do, because right now they're obviously they're trying to preserve this idea of cinematic releases. You know, don't want, they don't want things to go straight to the streaming mm. services, which is obviously what just happened. You know, HBO Max is doing that now with the the Warner Brothers stuff, mm. what the concern could be is they could put prices up so much just to try and, because the, the way the box always works right now, the first sort of like two months of the box office is weighed very heavily towards the studios getting that money rather mm-hmm. than the cinema. Then the longer the film stays in the cinema, then the cinema can make money, more money out of it that way. So are they going to start putting prices up to make sure that studios want to put stuff in the cinema because it means they know they'll get a bigger slice of the pie early doors? Yeah. At which point, you know, are you, would you and Stacey pay 25 quid each to go and see a movie? You do when you no. pay for it? No, you wouldn't. No, 100% not. It's, no, it's, it's getting, on a Saturday night, you're talking about the 18, maybe 15 to 16 pounds each to go and yeah. see a film. Yeah, fuck you know, that. You know, you're, you're, it's incrementally, it's so expensive. So I, I'm, the next couple of months and the next 12 months is really, really dangerous time for cinemas and they don't help mm. themselves by doing stuff. No, like, no, by, no. I did have to bite. I did have to bite my tongue the other day when it was like all over Twitter and stuff like that, when it was talking about these bonuses. And it just, it did make me just want to comment about piracy and how this these kind of stories that come out are going to lead people back to the old days of the early, early 2000s of the internet when people were pirating like fucking nobody's business. Yeah, it's like it, it will get and it will get to that. And if you said if the ticket prices go the way of what you mentioned, like yeah, twenty five pound a ticket for a film or whatever, people will not pay that kind of shit. Are you going to pay that for like a like a what was that a like a Nicolas Cage movie or a like one of these kind of throwaway action movies? You know, Or or are you going to pay that kind of money? for like a movie that's like on a whim that's just came out that night, you thought, okay, I'll just pop along. If you've not got a Cineworld card or whatever, you're going to pop along. How pissed off are you going to be that you've just spent, let's say just 50 quid, because it'll be you and someone else. 
before you buy fucking juice and sweets and all that yeah. shit, it's like 50 quid down the drain. That's almost a day's wage. You know yeah. what I mean? What I think again, well, like, that's the thing as well. Like, cinemas have always been this thing of like, you know, coming to your film at cinema because that's the way it should be seen. That's why, it, you know, it should be seen hmm. this way. It should be seen in the big screen. And I am yeah, 100% yeah, yeah. for that. And I won't download Oh, me too. I want to watch things where they should be seen. But again, it comes to the point where it's so expensive you can't go or the companies who are involved with cinemas are so ethically corrupt that you don't feel like you feel you feel dirty giving them the money. Yeah. Then maybe the downloading aspect will be something you want to do. But then if you do that, then the cinema shuts down and 50 people in that cinema lose their job and then you feel even more horrendous because it costs some of the livelihood. Yeah. It's such yeah. a delicate balance. And like I said, the next 12 to 18 months probably will be very, very dangerous for cinema and very, very interesting to see what happens mm. with it. I yeah, hope totally. it comes back. I hope it comes back stronger. I hope people realize what they've missed. Mm, totally. Yeah. The same way we all want to go to gigs, we all want to go to, um, you know, concerts and you mm. know, like the meals and go to the pubs and all that stuff. I'm hoping cinemas is one of the things people realize they've missed a lot and want to go back to. I know I'm going to sound like an old man here, but I, I really hope that gigs don't get any more expensive <laughs> when, <laughs> when they come back. I mean, like, Jesus, I'm like, yeah. I'm already at the top end of like, ah, can I really justify yeah. this if it's in one of these big arenas, you know, almost tapping out at a £100 a ticket? Like, you, don't, uh, you don't want someone to go to the point where rather than going to see, you know, five films a month, you end up having to go mm. to see one every three months. Like, yeah, are we gigs now? We go like, okay, I'm going to see, I used to go to see a gig, maybe like, sort of, I can go see a gig every, every two weeks, sometimes like three, four in a month, three, four in a week. Mm. But now yeah. it's the point I'm like one a month and I'm like, that's fine. That's absolutely fine now. You know? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, man, totally. we, we shall bounce into the what we have got to watch just now, which is, again, all very much stuff that is on the streaming services um, of all choice. The pirate, all the pirate sites, if you're into that kind of thing. You know, we, we, we refuse to use pirate sites. I'm not in for that. No, in all fairness, I'm actually a deviant when it comes to streaming services. I've almost got everything to the point yeah. where I'm like, I should probably trim back in a few of these things. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm <laughs> the same myself now. I feel like I'm, I'm paying a lot of money out now for streaming services. <laughs> we can tell what I'm doing. Um, we just need HBO Max over here or some HBO sort of... And then I don't oh. because we talked about it and me and you text me out going, King Kong versus Godzilla trailer dropped this week. And I think, mm. was, I know people don't like having been a huge fan of Godzilla films and the King Kong films, but I fucking love King Kong and I love Godzilla and I am all for seeing this film. And mm. I do not want to see that film on my TV. I want to watch that film and I'm big fucking screen. Yeah. Especially an IMAX yeah. screen, something absolutely huge to enjoy it fully. And like I've said... I'm going to be cheated oh. watching it on my, my TV. My TV is a decent sized television, but yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. going to feel a bit cheated watching it on that. Well, if there's ever a reason to justify buying a print, uh, a projector and a couple of lazy boys, I mean, it's an easy, it's an easy thing. Just say Godzilla versus King Kong. You know what I mean? Straight down, straight down to purchasing the best projector you can get. <laughs> I'm hoping we'll do it over there before the pandemic. For a hundred pound, you could rent out one of the Sony World screens and watch a movie that's on. So I would hundred yeah. percent. Spend a hundred pounds, maybe get like four or five people and go and watch it for Dolly King Kong. I would absolutely do mm. that. Anyway, yeah, totally. On to the movies that are out that we can watch. So the first one yes. is the film called Songbird, which is directed by, which is directed by Adam Mason, who directed films called Hangman, Junkie, Dust, and Broken. Uh, I have seen none of these films, and nah, certainly interesting. Um, but big this film is produced by Michael Bay, obviously Michael Bay of Michael Bay fame. Um, you know, all things exploded. So, sorry, are you looking at the list of producers here? There's a lot. There's like 21 producers. Six, seven, 
eight producers. <laughs> I think there's more than that. If you, I think if you get even more than that, something like like line producers and stuff that's massive. It's just everyone put a little bit of money into this rally and everyone's not funding it properly. Um, ah, right, okay. That's okay, how it works. Okay. Yeah, that's how it works. Um, so the plot of this film <laughs> is that COVID has mutated. It's set in the year 2023, I think it is, 2023. Mm. COVID has mutated. Most of the population have to stay indoors. There's a small percentage who are immune who can go about the business and they're basically in charge of keeping society alive with deliveries and all such like. Um, and what is really desired in, in the world is an immunity ban. If you have the immunity ban, you can sort of walk around and you can be you're basically seen as proper. Um, obviously, we're very free. What if they do catch the COVID virus? They're whipped away to sort of a camp where they're supposedly mm. taken care of. And we're, we, I think we mean by taken care of, it's very much like in the gangster sense. Yeah. And, <laughs> out. Um, in this world, there is a, a guy trying to get a ban for his girlfriend. Because um, she's about to get taken away because her mother has just caught the COVID, and he gets mixed up in the murky underworld of people who sell these bands and make money from them, and it's uh, the into sort of a, a gangster thriller type thing. Is as he tries to sort of um, go across LA to try and get this piece of basically band to show that his girlfriend can travel, and he's saving yeah. her from having to go to the camps. And that's basic story. And amongst that, you've also got a, a weird love story about with a YouTube star and a a military guy, um, and also a sort of husband and wife domestic, or they, you know, they're sort of in charge of all things, you know, gangstery, and it's a marriage falling apart as well. Um, mm. In the film, you've got Bradley Whitford, um, Sophia Carson, Peter Stormare, Craig Robinson, Demi Moore, Paul Waller-Hauser, who I really like, Alexandria Daddario, and KJ Apa. So it's a very, it's a very solid, very respectable cast. Mm. Um, I'll start with this one and say... No one in any way wanted or needed this film. It, it was absolutely a hundred percent not required. Um, now, give us some credit. I said that about we, what you, you were here. We talked about host. What I mean, you talked about host, wasn't it? Yeah. The yeah, Zoom just, horror film. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I knew there'd be a Zoom horror film here at some point, and I had absolutely no interest in watching. I'm like, that's going to be fucking horrendous. I don't want to see it. Yeah. Then I watched host and go. You know what? That was very well done. That was very clever. That was very smart. They've done something mm. with it. They made it intriguing, made it interesting, and made it entertaining. Yes. I also had no interest in watching anything to do with COVID, COVID-related quarantine shit. That, that just it seems we're still in the middle of this crap. We don't want to see a film about sort of what could happen if it gets worse. That just sounds horrendous. Mm. Um, and for that reason, this film sorry, does but... not need to be made. Yeah. I think just even if they hadn't called it COVID-23, even if they called it fucking, I don't know, fucking like chicken pox or something, it's yeah. like just, it doesn't matter what it is, it's just right now it's the wrong time to be dealing with like a, a virus, a pandemic, whatever they want to call it. It's just right this very second, it's like the wrong time. And yeah. I don't know about how you felt about it, but this, it screamed that the script had been, fucking rushed it's yeah, like it's, it's, it's like there was no like there was no like uh there was no like meat on the bone it no. was just it was very kind of flimsy flung together and i was just a bit like what like i don't know if you watched it i was <laughs> way back like last year like right at the start of all this nonsense i watched this mad like film and i think it was actually called coronavirus and what someone had done was they had taken an old like b zombie film 
Yeah. Yeah. And then they had added a few more scenes themselves. Yeah. I don't know if I ever spoke to you about this or you watched it yourself, but fuck me, that was rough. Yeah. This was in the same kind of idea, but just with bigger stars. Just very, just very weak in terms of like the actual plot of the story. I mean, uh, on like a good note, it was great to see Peter uh, Stormier. Stormier again because I yeah. haven't seen him since like uh, Prison Break. Yeah, so you could love him. One of those guys who everything yeah. in a film you go, you'll be good in this film. Yeah, never, yeah. never a bad character yeah. in a film. So unfortunately, I haven't really seen anything he's really been in since Prison Break, if he's been in anything at all. But oh, it was he, he, No, he's, in, he's, been, he's one of the guys who just works constantly. Aye. Yeah, yeah. But it was nice to see him popping up. I agreed, really dug yes. that. Agreed. Uh, I did think, like, if it's as bad as what this movie makes out to be, this COVID-23, this is where it started falling to bits for me. I thought it was fucking reckless that this guy was uh, racing around LA trying to get this, uh, like, asymptomatic band for this yeah. uh, for his bird he doesn't even know if she's asymptomatic like she no. could go outside and literally keel over and die because yeah. it's you know it's COVID-23 is like a really hardcore version of what we're kind of dealing with for now whereas literally it's like it's literally like it's in the air and it yeah. will actually fucking floor you really quickly but you're just like why would you why would you risk all this? Like you are asymptomatic, so you're groovy. You're a delivery guy. It's all good. You don't even know if this girl is asymptomatic. She can walk out her house and fucking keel over and die. And you're like, oh, just put not, on a bangle. Is that not trying to make a point? Like playing devil's advocate, is that not trying to make a point of what people are actually like this now? The idea of like, well, it's not affecting us, so we can do what we want to do type thing. So obviously playing on that idea. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Uh, unfortunately, uh, people only seem to toe the line when it comes knocking at the door, sort yeah. of speak, within their life, that's when people I seem to think toe the fucking line. But every day you switch on the news and it's like however many hundred or if it was like a couple of weeks ago, it was like however, like just over the thousand mark people passing away in the UK per day. And it's almost like, I know this is going to sound horrible, but it almost sounds like a fictional number because yeah. I personally don't know of anyone that's either had it or passed away from it yeah and i feel i think a lot of people are like that yeah it's like until it comes that until it comes knocking at the door so to speak then that's when focus toe the line and yeah and i think wearing the, i think as well wearing the mask film, probably can I make a film out of like something that's making a fictional film or something that's really is still happening to a great degree. Yeah, yeah yeah just streams of like just sort of not reading the room properly that said mm. it's not a bad film it's actually not a bad no, I know. film i know it's just I know. no point to it um, yeah. The thing I did notice about it, I don't know if you noticed this as well, that pretty much everyone is by themselves for the whole film. Like apart from Bradley Whitford mm. and Demi Moore, who interact slightly with each other. Yeah. Everyone else is, everyone else is sort of in single rooms by themselves, and it looks like they're in the film with very limited technology. Which yes. Feels very cold. There's, there's almost yeah. no human interaction. Which yeah, yeah. I guess it's sort of idea like we're trying to play on what we're all like just now. We're all very much living very solitary lives right now, and um, we're all sort of the key groupings are not really interacting with that much of the outside world. But maybe one of that how films may be now from the near like the next wee while as because when they film these movies come forward, mm. like any film, they can't have big groups of people together. So will films feel quite cold and um you know isolating because of that? Which mm. is that this sort of gives a wee glimpse of what the future maybe not for the 
next ten years, maybe the next like eighteen months of the movies might be uh, in terms of the filming, which I thought was interesting. The performance. Well, if Tom Cruise hurries up with his like COVID robots, then I don't think anyone's really getting anything to worry about, you know. Tom Cruise relying yeah. on you. Um, performances <laughs> I thought ranged from generally okay for like Peter Stormare, yeah. he's always yeah, yeah. good. Um, Paul Wallerhauser, he plays the um, the military guy who's in the chair, um, mm. fine as well. And then some of them are like genuinely pretty soap opera like. You know, the girl, yeah. the YouTube girl, she is very soap opera, same as Sophia Carson character. Uh, yeah, I found the I found the mum very much the same. Demi Moore. Demi Moore was soap opera, and you're like, you're Demi Moore for God's sake, you're a, I know. one of the best. You're a, I know. You're a and I you're, know. For fuck's sake. Like, like, Days of your life or East End or something like that. I felt like that. Um, and I'm what you said is, I really didn't understand what the point was. It was so bare bones. It felt like it had been put together in the space in the afternoon. Yeah. Any point it could have made to try and be sort of like social political to try and make um, you know points yeah. about what the governments are doing and things like that just never happened. It just took it was never there. So it just it just became this sort of odd version of the future that no one wants, no one really no one is hoping for, but equally yeah. seems it seems way too close to reality in the same way. You're like going, yeah, so it's not like yeah. it's, not, it's not like robots and like monsters and you go like well that's the future, but that's totally not gonna happen. This mm. was like that seems fucking scarily close to what we're at already. I don't yeah, want to see that, you know. It, it's like imagine like you did lose someone, or sorry, you have lost someone to like uh, COVID, and it's like you sit down to watch this, like not maybe understanding what the whole premise is about, and then all of a sudden it just brings everything fucking back. You'd be like, yeah. what the fuck? It's just yeah. like. And then you go and find out that it's been released in the later part of 2020. You'd be like, what the fuck is going on? Aye, read the room. It's, read the room. Yeah, it's just one of those weird, weird movies where I feel like it will disappear into like the dustbin of life, I feel. You know, I feel this one will not be... In fact, what's it even on? Amazon. Yeah. It's like, I, I had to actually search for it on Amazon so that it shows you that already it's been fucking heavily, like, Fucking like played right down in the on the what they are pushing at the moment. So oh, is it? It's not. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's not get pushed forward. Right, that, that makes me a bit happier then because I had a feeling that they were trying to push it more. No. Uh, yeah. No. I'm glad. It's been dumped more. I wasn't a huge fan of it. Like I said, I, I lost interest quite quickly with it. I just, I just, and I felt it was yeah. very and just did wasn't just wasn't reading the room in terms of what people want or desire right now. Um, I totally, I'd give it a very, very average five out of ten. Oofed. Um, well, in fact, you know what? I'll join you on that one because I was going to give it four out of ten, but I'll give it a bit of benefit because I liked some of the shots in it and give it a it five was, out of ten. Officially, you know? it was made well. It, it didn't look bad. Mm. Everything else surrounding it, I thought, was very cold and just not interesting. So mm. five out of ten. Um, on from that, we move on to some more um, sort of sci-fi. Stuff, which is the last one was really sci-fi, but it felt kind of sci-fi-ish, um, but too close to reality. And this one, this new one, is called Sputnik, which is mm. on Netflix. It's not a Netflix film; it just happens to be getting presented there. And um, written mm. by Igor Abramenko, and it's his debut okay. feature. He's done some shorts in the past, but this is um, his first feature movie. It came out of Russia, so it's, it's um, something we don't see a lot of. I was thinking about this when I was sitting down to watch it, and that. The only Russian films I can think of are Battleship Potemkin and Nightwatch, Daywatch. Um, other than that, Russian films don't seem to penetrate over here very much. You know, they seem 
you know, we got, we, we got a lot of Japanese films, we got a lot of Chinese films to some degree, mm. a lot of like, sort of um, Indonesian, sort of Korean films always push in here. But we don't mm. really seem to get a lot of Russian films. It seems odd because Russia's obviously got a film industry and it's got budget for it. It just seems very odd that Russia is sort of one of those film countries that doesn't seem to echo But then I was just saying about um, India, we don't, really, mm. we don't really talk about a lot of Indian movies. Um, no. And yeah, they've, they've, they've literally got the biggest movie industry in the world. Yeah, it's wild, isn't it? Absolutely yeah. wild. Yeah. You know, it's always odd. Like I've considered myself quite well versed in film, but like I can really only think of like two Russian films out with apart from this one. Um, so anyway, part of this film is two astronauts in space. They're coming back into they're coming into re-entry, and something attacks their ship. Mm. When they land, one of them is dead, or we think is dead, um, and another one is crawling out of the spaceship. Mm. Um, then cuts to young woman who's a psychologist, she's um, a doctor, she's going to try to find more out-of-the-box ways of fixing people and um, might get into trouble. But essentially what we find out is this, this the alien creature is living with inside one of these astronauts mm. uh, and it comes out every night for a few few minutes and it keeps it longer and longer it starts to try and adapt to our environment. Mm. Um, and she's trying to discover A, what it is, B, how does it live within him uh, and also, what kind of relationship it has? Is it a symbiote, or is it a is it a symbiote? She calls it, or is it a parasite? Yeah, does it does, yeah, it, does yeah, it need yeah. him, or do they both tie to each other? That's what it was, um, and then from from that, what you eventually get is a sort of alien filler movie with sort of this, the, the, the military want to use it for some sort of you know, as a weapon, and mm. her, her really thinking about how to save the guy and, and, and separate him from this alien creature. It's terrorizing mm-hmm. the, the military base. Um, a lot of people in it, um, but we probably won't know any because they're all Russian. Um, mm. Akashina, she plays uh, the main lead. Uh, Fedor Bondarachuk, he plays the uh, he plays the military officer, the, the, the general. Uh, mm. Peter Fedorov, he plays the astronaut who has been uh, infected. And Anton Vasilev, he plays the sort of other doctor on site, the sort of the one who's sort of like been eaten up by the machine. He doesn't really know how to deal with it. Um, what do you think of this one? Um, not gonna lie, I'm not big versed in Russian cinema, but <laughs> as we told him, I am. So yeah, <laughs> I I actually quite enjoyed it. It was kept. As always, like uh, different cultures and all that, they all do movies slightly differently in terms of the way they look at things. I actually thought this movie was really good, you know, kind of just dark, gritty, not quite sure Hunter, what's actually going on. Like a lot of it is all set within this like, base, this kind of like military hospital kind of base where they've stuck this uh, astronaut because they've realized that, as like you said, this wee creature fucking appears like every night. Yeah. Um, so they'll try to work out what to do with it and how to control it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was a bit gross when you when you seen it for the first time how it actually exits them. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you're just a bit like, how do you manage to do that? <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I like it. I, I like the fact how it kind uh, it, it didn't give you a lot to work with. No, I was, you know, you know, it doesn't kind of bog you down with like information and all that. It's really just like these guys have came back. There's something strange happening with this one that's still alive. Oh look, there's this thing that's now happening with this guy, and then it's really just from there, and then it's all about the girl, uh, sorry, the woman just talking to him all the time and just trying to figure out what to do with him. Yeah, yeah. 
it, that's what I thought was interesting about it. It's a good solid sci-fi thriller. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was pretty decent. Um, yeah, it yeah. doesn't feel especially Russian, other than the accents. I don't. I don't know what differentiates between a Russian film and an American film. It felt like something could easily be an American movie. But mm. maybe what was different about it, and what I thought was interesting about it, was they don't ever. They don't really play the mystery of what the creature is. They don't try and make it out like suddenly, like the creatures that he's out killing people and like that or that kind of stuff. They make it very clear from the very almost from the first fifteen minutes that yeah. the alien lives inside him and they know what it is. It's, not, it's there's no real mystery in that respect. Which I thought was interesting. And I thought it was actually quite refreshing. And um, mm. the story at that point the story becomes more a personal one between you know him and the girl, him and the woman, the doctor trying to like sort of discover what it is that makes this creature tick and what it mm. makes it be what it is. Um, so I thought that was really good. The twists and turns don't particularly surprise that much. You kind of go, you kind of know where it's roughly going, and you can get that sense of it. Certainly, the third act it feels a bit rushed. And you can you can sense where it's rushing towards, um, mm. but it's done well. It's, it's executed with, with a certain degree of plot, uh, like aplomb. Um, it looks nice. The, the CGI looks pretty decent, and the, the creature is, is sufficiently yeah. creepy looking. It was a little yeah. bit like the Stranger Things Dermagogue, like a week and a bit. Yeah, I was, I was actually going to come to that point. Why is it in the last, I'm going to say since Cloverfield, right, because that was one of the first ones that I noticed were doing it. Why is it every time they're drawing, they're, sorry, drawing, the CGI, like alien monster type things, they all have that weird thing where it's like they've got arms like us, but it's like they've got extra joints. Yeah. So they're almost walking, if you imagine, on the back of their hands. Yeah. And it's like there's a couple of extra like joints there. It's like, uh, but they've all done it since like Cloverfield. I think Cloverfield was one of the first, if not the first, to to draw it like that. And then ever since, it's like there was another movie as well that done it, and the monster looked almost identical. In fact, it might have been Stranger Things that done it, you. and the monster looks almost identical to the monster from uh, Cloverfield. And I'm I like, think, I think what it is is like after Alien, for example, back in the '79, and essentially mm-hmm. everything, um, all aliens after that started looking like the alien. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. It's just something that happens to be in the cultural zeitgeist, and it's people's frame of reference for something. So yeah. I think maybe that- so yeah, it's not. Them out and they've done that. And it, I mean, it was a genuinely unique looking creature. No one really yeah, yeah. It's like, that's fucking weird looking. Mm. People have now been inspired by that. So everything sort of has a wee kind of clover, like you're absolutely right, a cloverfield esqueness to it. Like I said, like right. you know, the extra limbs and the, the way they walk and stuff like that. So, but I thought, I thought it was a creepy, I thought it was a creepy looking thing. I, it was definitely yeah, yeah. creeping me out. Um, Here's my question. Here's my question for you. So, was this alien getting bigger or was that yeah. just my imagination? No, I, I think that's the whole point. It's, it's getting bigger. Ah, okay, cool. Because in the beginning, when you first see it, you're like, oh, it's pretty cool, pretty Aye. cute. You could probably kick it if you wanted to, get it out of the way. I but you the alien. Well, you know. Diplomatic. See, either that, I'm going to fuck it. So it's one. <laughs> so it's... <laughs> can I eat it? Can I eat me? Can I fuck it? <laughs> <laughs> so, but then, like, um, what was it? Uh, and then. Not too long after you keep on seeing it, and then she sees it all the time. It's like it's standing up when, uh, when the main like uh, like doctor guy of the area when he goes up to the glass and he's looking at it, and you see it standing up. And then that's when I was like, "Is this thing getting bigger?" Or am I, I, think, I, just it, I think it's this? getting bigger. And I think it's also as it learns to adapt to the world, mm. it can survive longer out his side his body. So yeah, yeah, maybe it gets more confident that way. Um, um, the only other thing I was curious about was was that 
was it eating the people? Because you've seen it like ripping the heads off and all that, but like it never actually showed you if it was eating them or if it was just ripping the heads off and then I going think back they to touch him. on the fact that it, it feeds on the fear gland. Uh, so maybe it's, I don't know if it's ingesting that in some way. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of yeah, the idea yeah. behind it. Um, so essentially, we're watching a Russian version of Monsters Inc. Is this what we're. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah. A really dark, twisted version of Monsters Inc. Um, but no, I, like I said, back to the film itself, I thought it was a, I thought it was a well done creature. Mm, yeah, yeah. I thought, it was, I thought it was entertaining. Um, moves along mostly at pace and to the mm. point where it, no, in fact, doesn't it? Moves along at a nice wee kind of rate of knots. Yeah, yeah. Enough to keep you then I think the third act sort of just sort of pushes too quickly. Um, 100%. And it, and it seems a bit rushed towards the end, and you and you feel you know where you're going to get to the end. And the final yeah, yeah. sort of PS scene at the end, absolutely not required, and just seemed completely pointless. Mm. Yeah, yeah, totally, yeah. totally. So, but overall, I, I thought as a debut feature and something to come out of Russia, I was generally very entertained by, it and I actually quite enjoyed it. Um, yeah, I, I would, I, the the only downside is. I think a lot of people are going to, unless they hear it from word of mouth with people yes. who have watched it, I feel a lot of people are going to skip this purely because it's like a Russian a subtitles, because, yeah. uh, sorry, Russian language, English subtitles, because yeah. I switched it on when Stacey was here because I said to her, it's a wee bit about space, but ultimately I think it's more about what's happening on Earth. Started it and then she's like, oh, this is Russian. Uh, it's fine, yeah. you can just watch it on your own. And I was Aye. like, all right, you know, Aye. so, yeah. Unless you actually tell someone, fucking watch this, it's great. I think people's, a lot of people um, skip it. Um, mileage for subtitle films varies from person to person. I do agree. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Totally. It, can, it can be. I don't, I don't, I've never understood why it's a hard sell to people. Um, but I do know some people just don't want to engage with subtitle films. They don't want to be sitting there. I think people see it as it, it feels too much like, like work, you know, trying mm. to watch a film. You just want to be able to switch off and you watch a film instead. And some yeah. people can't do that. And I think also the big thing right now is people, no one watches a film right now. If you watch, if a film's on Netflix, you're sitting there playing your phone probably viewing most of it and you're sort of half watching it. And mm. if it's subtitled, you can't really follow the story. Whereas, you know, if it's an English speaking film, you can only yeah. sort of engage with it quite passively. Yeah, yeah. That's um, why I quite liked uh, the movie was it last week or the week before? Fuck, I don't even know. That uh, space one with the woman and her daughter. Proxima. Yeah. Because that bounced about between a couple of different languages that I felt like more engaged with it. Okay, uh, yes. So yeah. I'm getting better at movies with subtitles, but yes, I do find myself every now and again, I will wander. Like not so much looking at my phone, just like you're zoning out and then I'll be mm. like, oh, hold on, hold on. Yeah. Bring it back. Yeah. Barry, come back. Um, <laughs> out of 10, what are you giving it? I'm giving this a solid seven and a half. I really dug this movie, man. Uh, I'll give it a seven. Very solid seven, but definitely worth watching. Definitely, definitely decent, um, decent, decent flick. The good thing is, well, at least on my Netflix anyway, it's still it's still heavily pushed. It's still right up there. So yeah. I'd imagine if it's on mine, because I don't even like tend to watch this kind of like horror, stroke uh, sci-fi movies a lot. So if it's still getting pushed on mine, there's every chance it'll be getting pushed on other people's. Yeah, so. maybe. And if it's, if it's appearing on your most viewed type thing, then maybe people are watching it, which is good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was ranked like quite high as well. It was like number three or four in the UK for that day or whatever, whenever I watched it. All the people are watching it. Um, yeah. And from that, we move on to Netflix's Netflix's new original movie, which is one, I don't know if it's, they made it or if they just bought it, but anyway, it's called mm. Outside the Wire, directed mm. by Mikkel Hafstrom, who directed the film 1408, um, The Right, and the truly terrible Escape Plan with Schwarzenegger and Stallone, if you ever saw that a couple of years yeah. ago. 
that yeah. prison one, wasn't it? Aye, prison one, yeah, yeah. I skipped by it, but I heard enough about it to make sure I skipped by it. So. Yes, <laughs> a, a fine plan, a fine plan. Um, yes. What this film is that um, there's a war going on in the Balkans. Um, I don't mm. know, there's a war going on in the Balkans. Um, and essentially, America's got involved as a peacekeeping force. They have started using robots in order to do that, that peacekeeping role. Um, they call them gumps, which I thought was quite funny. Um, yeah, yeah. Anyway, there's a drone pilot who makes a mistake and basically ends up killing two Marines. He gets sent to the front lines um, as a sort of a punishment to sort of learn his, you know, learn why he should be more careful when he's very firing his bullets. Yeah. Uh, he gets paired up with uh, Anthony Mackie, um, who is a soldier who also happens to be a robot as they go deep into enemy territory to try and take out uh, basically the warlord of the area who's continuing mm. this, who's sort of, who's sort of perpetuating this continuing war. Um, mm. And they're trying, um, and then from the story, the other story devolves into something else. Um, but that's a, that's a general setup for the film. Um, I think it'd be good while we're talking about this that we don't try and ruin this for people. Yeah, there is just there's because a couple, of, there's, like a, there's a couple of twists in this film. We'll try and yeah. get, um, spoiler free. So, like I said, that's a, that's a big yeah, setup. Yeah. Anthony Mackie plays a, a, a robot soldier. Uh, mm. Idris play, uh, Idris sorry, plays sort of the, the, the drone pilot who's paired up with him. They go behind enemy lines in order to try and kill somebody who is a warlord and other stuff devolves from there. Um, like you get Emily Beecham pops up in it as well as sort of a freedom fighter who lives in uh, sort of a working area. Oh, Barry Light Emily Beecham apparently. Uh, <laughs> and Michael Kelly um, plays a very, who plays a very hard-nosed soldier in a role that very easily could have been Peter Stormare's role, if you think about it. Um, but yeah, so this one, very decent sci-fi can see I, I, I quite like the, the, the setup of it it doesn't mm. hold up to much scrutiny when you try and look deeper into it. it doesn't really make that much sense you know the, his advanced robotics are way ahead of what the robotics you're seeing on display you know and that's a big fucking leap from the gump creatures to him you know yeah it, yeah, yeah that was a bit of an issue yeah with the with the other robots outside of him we're talking maybe like another five five years of Boston Dynamics down the road, that's yeah. where we're at. Because did you notice you do actually see a Boston Dynamic dog walking about? Yes, I did actually, yes. Yeah, yeah. So when you see the other, like, fighting, what are they called? Gunts? Gumps. As in Forrest Gumps. Gump. Yeah, yeah, Gumps. Uh, yeah, there might be, like, a couple of stages ahead. So that's where they're at. So albeit they're very, they're very good robots. Yep. My only kind of question was when they were when they were in that like kind of bit when they were surrounded with high rises in each side and they were getting shot at. Why didn't the robots just use the little like kind of grenade launchers on their guns yeah. all the time? It seemed bizarre that they were trying to pick them off with their bullets. Why don't they just stand there with the rocket launchers? Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I think the whole point of this was with peacekeepers, aren't they? They're not. They're not yeah. Fire. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, like I said, we're going to try our best to stay spoiler-free with this one yes. because there's a few moments that happen later on in the movie that makes you question a lot of things we, yes. we might even discuss uh, off air. Yeah, yeah, so I think the opening was I really thought, interesting. I thought the two of them together, I thought Anthony yeah. Mackie and uh, Damson Idris was really good. I really enjoyed them. I think he is one to watch. I've seen him, I think he popped up in a Black Mirror at one point, but I've not seen ah, him okay. much. But he, yeah, yeah. I thought he was really good in it. Um, Anthony Mackie was relatively pretty charming. He's been charming in most things he's been in. Uh, Emily yeah. Beecham I thought was good as well when she comes in. She has a lot to do, unfortunately, but what she does, she does well enough. Um, so I really enjoyed that. 
the third act does kind of fall apart. It gets a little bit too much, just like that crash, bang, warlock, you know, like blow some mm. shit up, which did kind of yeah. ruin it because it, it's got an, it's got a really interesting opening sci-fi conceit, and then mm. just sort of devolved into sort of stuff you've seen kind of before, which would be a bit of a shame because I thought it could have maybe done something more with that. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it mostly. The biggest problem I had with it was the CGI at times does seem very shoddy. Like ah, okay. They've watched it. Like particularly when you see the, the robots on mass turning up and things like that. When you see them get out the trucks and stuff like that, it mm. looks a little bit sort of video game cutscene kind of like. Ah, yeah, yeah. Um, I I watched on my iPad, so I'm not gonna lie. It is always a bit harder to spot those kind of yes, things. Agreed, if, yeah. You only really pick. Oh, personally, I only pick up on that kind of stuff if I'm like watching it on the on the TV or whatever. Then I can notice it. But um. Yeah, there's just there was a couple of moments, like you said, that were just a wee tiny bit ropey. It's like uh, when the uh, when the drone pilot drives his car up to the place that he's going to, yeah, and he's at the fence, and then all of a sudden it cuts to the next scene, and he's literally like right inside it, and you're like, how the fuck did you get over that fence and all the way into that in the space of a cutscene? It's like how the fuck did you manage yeah. that? Same cut, you know. You know, it's like an eight-foot fence with barbed wire on the top and you've just wandered right through it like it's <laughs> nothing. It's like, what the fuck? Uh, I actually thought the CGI for Anthony Mackie's character Mackie was, was good. Really, Sorry, yeah, I yeah. The, Mackie, the Mackie stuff yeah. was good. He looked yeah, yeah. on him. It was, he sort of like just normally gets a weird sheen. You can sort of see a little bit of the robotic underneath him a little bit. Points. Yeah, yeah. But I'm talking more of the gumps. You know, they, they yeah, yeah, of, aye, aye, aye. He kind of fell apart a little bit to me. They sort of looked a little bit kind of shaky and ropey when you see you saw one, it almost like, almost like they had one model one they could use for like sort of close-ups and things like that. But then mm. you saw, if you saw any of them moving like sort of more like a group of them, that's when it started to look a little bit shaky and, yeah. and a little bit sort of like took me out a little bit. But it could just be a budget constraint, but it wasn't, totally. it, wasn't, it wasn't like Wonder Woman 1984 bad. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or I think it was one watched a couple of nights ago, a couple of things ago, it was really bad. Um, I think there it was. Oh, we watched something recently where the CGI was just atrocious. It wasn't oh. that bad, but it was enough to make me go, that looks that looks maybe it's about eight or nine years out of date, you know, mm. compared to what you, what you probably could do. But they did use oh. the robot stuff quite sparingly. For the, for yeah, the it, which, which I liked. You know, I liked the fact that it wasn't relying on, we have we have blasted all our budget on this CGI robot nonsense. I liked uh, that. Uh, I did that made the finale a little bit of a shame because the finale just became like this little bit like, oh, let's just make it a standard action movie type yeah. thing towards the end. And it's like, oh, you've done, you've set up some really interesting stuff and then never really followed through on it. It's, um, I can see companies actually doing this if they're not doing it already. When it came to, when it came to uh, Mackie's character, when they were shaking hands and then he's like, feel my hand and then it's like the boy was like oh it's nice and warm and then it's like feel my arm and then it's like stone cold right. and then they've done that deliberately so when they shake hands and all that it feels like you're still talking to a human and everything yeah. and you're like oh that's creepy as fuck could you know they're gonna do that <laughs> and it's like they'll, they'll make it so only certain orifices are warm you know because everyone's gonna fuck yeah. one of these things eventually it's gonna happen it's we all know it's gonna happen well it's already happening so <laughs> you know yeah, but, no, I thought the film genuinely really enjoyed it for most part of it. It's, it is pretty, it's not brainless, but it's you can kind of just sort of switch off a little bit when you're watching it and you can enjoy yeah. it. Yeah, I, um, I, I like to think there's some sort of kind of like underlying, at least it made me think, at least more towards the end, it started making me really think about like a lot of like what goes on in real life, uh, real life. 
um, with that kind of like what the what the robot was talking about and stuff like that. Well, there's always that sense of the, the impersonality of war, you know, the idea of like war mm. just with war, like, you know, person to person. Now yeah. it's done by drones, you know, and it's idea like, you know, you can be very impersonal when you're blowing up a building if you don't have to actually see the, the carnage. Yeah. Yeah. Doing, you know, yeah. So. It, it always kind of freaked me out when it was like the kind of early days of the Afghan war. Yeah, the Afghan war. And it was like talking about the drone pilots and how they were sitting there like controlling these like military fucking however much they cost drones with Xbox controllers. Yeah. And you're like, there's something deeply unsettling about that, how they're using like game controllers and flying about and annihilating things. You, know? you almost you almost at that point turn it into some you make it feel like it, the person doing the killing through the video game he's in, he's not actually yeah, it's not actually a a, a real thing. He's not killing. He's not killing real people. He's killing simply, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost fictional at that point, you know. Uh, yeah. To, I, film, to... If you get a chance to try and find it, there's a very good film with Ethan Hawke called Good Kill, um, and it's all he is a drone pilot living in like sort of like Texas, but he's bombing like Iraq. Yeah. He's just doing it. He's doing it from these like sort of you know the quarter cabins they do it in. Yeah. And it's his sort of him dealing with his role and his job essentially. And that's what that's what I always found funny about uh, at least the early pairings of um, uh, was it Mackie and Idris when they were when they both get like clubbed together in the vehicle. Yeah. Literally, the robot is telling the human how fucking cold blooded he is. Yeah, <laughs> you're like, oh, there's something unsettling about that yeah. when a robot is telling you that you're the cold motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I think you would dig that film if you if you try and watch. Um... Good kill. It's a, real, it's a really well done film. I think you, I think you get a lot out of it. What is, um, there is also this is, film. This is a bit cheesy, but what's you might know it because I completely forgot. What was that film? And it was all like, in fact, actually, oh, I think it was the one that had fucking. Oh, what was that film that had uh, at the start? It was all like, it was either like kids or young adults, and they were all sitting there, and they thought they were playing a computer game, but in actual fact, they were all fighting a war. Can't remember. I'll find it and I'll tell you off, Mike. <laughs> um, but in terms of outside the wire, I would give it a very solid, enjoyable six and a half out of ten. Nice, nice. Yourself. I'll join you on that one. Six and a half as well, because it was it was really good. It's. Once again, like a nice middle of the road, not too much crazy budget. I'm assuming's been destroyed on this movie, so and it's a good addition to the Netflix library. Absolutely. Um, next week we have some more Netflix Amazon fun, and um, we have on Netflix coming out. Um, should be out the day you listen to this. It's called The Dig, and we'll talk about that next week. It's a kind of very interesting character study film. Um, also, we have on Amazon uh, the first season of the Star Trek cartoon Lower Decks, which I've heard really strong, funny things about. I'm actually really looking forward to it. As a massive Star Trek fan, I'm actually really looking forward to that. And also on Amazon, I Am Your Woman, which is a sort of a crime thriller um, that Amazon's put out, an Amazon exclusive to put out, um, which again, I'm quietly intrigued based on the cast more than actual. The, the plot doesn't sound particularly groundbreaking, but the cast look very strong mm. uh, and I'm actually yeah. to see it so I'm your women on Amazon Lower Decks on Amazon and The Dig that is on Netflix um, and that'll be us next week Barry where people find us all the usual social media haunts at 3 Beers in a Movie Instagram Twitter 
Facebook, all the fun places. That's great. And for this week, I've been Richard. You've been Barry. You've been listening to Three Beers in a Movie.